What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I'm your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who has a brand new honeydew list for 2023, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. I think I procrastinated to a point where my list was twice as long as it was going to be. Well, sure. Yeah. Everything that didn't get accomplished last year just got put over to 2023. And then, of course, we added all of the new projects in 2023. So you've got a full dance card, mister. It's just a pile on, but uh, I'm going to get through it. Tell me, how did it feel the other night when our friend came over and dropped off a tile cutter for you? Because we've got a new project happening in our laundry room that's going to require you to actually learn how to lay tile so I've laid uh, linoleum and then I stepped it up and I laid this linoleum like tile where you could put grout in between, but it still lays like linoleum. Now I'm going to actually have to do tile. So I guess, you know, at 56, I'm still needing to learn new tricks all the time. And that's a that's a new one. I'll add. Well, speaking of inspiration, Scott, we can't let this show go forward too much without mentioning the loss of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. His funeral was this week. On New Year's Eve, December 31st, we heard of the news of his passing 95 years old. You know, looking back, he was placed in a position right after the long serving term of Pope St. John Paul II. I mean, he was the Pope of our growing up years, of our married years early on, and so influential in our lives growing up as Catholics. You know, following that, then here is Pope Benedict, a much different person. He is a theologian, a man in his mind. And I, I don't want to think that I didn't appreciate him, but I didn't connect with him quite the same way. And it's not been since then, his time of stepping down at Pope Francis has come into his office, is that I really began to appreciate the mind, the theologian for who Benedict was. He was such a deep thinker always praying, but it seemed like always writing. I mean, the number of encyclicals that he wrote, the books that he wrote, I think there's countless essays, uh, just really formed the theological thought of the church during his years. Right. You know, and, and just the this expanse of his experience that the Lord had placed him in over his lifetime from the opening of Vatican II to this, his closing of uh, his last letter he wrote, as uh, every pope does, about their their spiritual aspirations, their hope for the future, and their reflection on their life, which he just, in fact, that's just out there now and on uh, on the internet. But for that expanse, how much he's uh, been able to witness and be a part of is just phenomenal. And, you know, to the, the people who, and I've put myself in this position, people who might complain about sometimes getting pulled into things that they kind of want to move away from, but somehow they're drawn back in. Well, the Lord kept drawing uh, Cardinal Ratzinger at the time back in, even though his in his heart he had a desire to just go and be a theologian. And you know, thanks be to God, he was able to relent when, the, when Pope John Paul II asked him to stay twice. And then he's asked by his Cardinal brothers to stay a third time. 
So when he retired, I thought, what a blessing and how much mercy the Lord uh, will, will provide for us, for those who do the good work. And he did the good work in these last years. He was able to rest, I think, in the theology mind that God had given him. And I think now to the opportunity to look back on his life and really examine all of these writings, I think only ever more so will the church love and appreciate all that Pope Emeritus Benedict was able to offer both during the years that he was Pope and especially during those years where he was Pope Emeritus. So we pray for his soul and we pray for the whole church on the loss of this amazing life. Well, as I said in the open, it is a new year. I have a long list of resolutions, but maybe for you, it might be really spending time and focusing on those things that matter in those relationships that matter. And if there's a little distance there, well, maybe this is the year to close it up. Coming up, I have a great opportunity to talk with Ben Erickson. Ben has written a series of articles for Catholic World Report. The final article is out, and I had an opportunity to talk with Ben about how to open up dialogue with Gen Zers. Scott, we have four of them in our house. We know that can be a very difficult thing. Ben's got some great tips of do's and don'ts in order to open up that conversation. And then after that, we'll share with how we raised those four Gen Zers and built and opened communication on topics that have been certainly challenging to us and to them. So we got a great show ahead for you. Stay with us on this week's View from the Pew. Jesus knew what he was talking about. God's commandments to love one another are not always easy to follow, often as challenging as a camel going through the eye of a needle. It's not easy forgiving our loved ones or coworkers sometimes. Human relations get complicated. Words get said that cannot be taken back. Egos get involved as hurts run deeper. Getting out of these messes is hard, harder than a camel going through the eye of a needle. But Jesus offers us up a solution. With God, all things are possible. So when we take our struggles to God in prayer and seek the counsel and help of God through the Holy Spirit, small opportunities will appear, like the eye of a needle. Possibilities, small openings, will be provided by God. This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Gisandi. Why do you listen to Mater Day Radio? Is it for the prayers, Catholic news and education, or to be inspired? Whatever your reason for listening, we are grateful for your support. And as we surpass 30 years of broadcasting a gospel message, we hope you will consider leaving a legacy for Mater Day Radio in your estate planning. This can be as easy as including Catholic Radio as a beneficiary in your will. For more information on estate planning options, please visit us online at materdayradio.com. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. Well, I've been on a bit of a journey over the last several months talking with Ben Erickson. Ben has written a series of six interviews on Catholic World Report on Walking with Generation Z. 
Now, we have covered this past articles to understand this loneliest generation, their distrust of institutions, well, their religious complexity, and what steps can be taken toward their flourishing and then reaching them with relational authority. But I believe Ben, well, he has saved the most important for the end, how to dialogue with Gen Z. And Ben is joining me this morning to close out our discussion in this series. Good morning, Ben. Thank you for joining us once again. Yes, thank you for having me, Brenda. It's good to be here again. Well, Ben, your goal in this series is to address the difficulties this generation is experiencing and then use those difficulties to understand them so that way we can get to their point of view and then we can take the steps to really help them flourish. Now, we have to set the stage to start this conversation. Do we wait for them to maybe show an interest or throw out maybe just a little side comment to begin that? Or can we lean in a little bit as authorities in their lives to say, you know what, we we need to enter into this discussion? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think we should always be ready for those conversations. I, I know from personal experience sometimes that um, these conversations come up when you least expect them. You know, sure. you know, I remember working a landscaping job and all of a sudden one of my you know, co-workers asked me a question about Catholicism and you kind of have to be ready on the spot to, to have these conversations when they um, occur and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in those moments. But um, that doesn't mean that we should just be passive either. Obviously we should go out and try to encourage these conversations, but in some way where it doesn't come off as that, you know, you're just being an awkward adult, uh, adult or, you know, some kind of like creepy person. Um, so just, you know, kind of set the stage to encourage those conversations. You know, we can foster wonder, um, um, by giving people an experience of beauty, young people this experience of beauty. So um, if you have a, a child or um, even a student or you're in a youth group, you know, encouraging them to watch um, a really inspiring movie or an artistic movie, um, reading an insightful book, um, walking them through a beautiful church or even going into nature. So kind of that experience of beauty encourages that wonder and stepping out and it, and it kind of sets the stage for more authentic communication. Um, Two other ways to kind of set the stage is, you know, find the right environment, you know, to, to kind of reach out for them is, you know, maybe it's not so much a question that you have to do or but just maybe doing it. I, I think of when I was a kid, for example, um, having the right environment was important. You don't have to have a sit down conversation. It could be um, you realize your kid really opens up when you shoot hoops or when you're on a drive or uh, maybe it's, you know, going to a park or whatever it may be is trying to find those places where the youth are more comfortable, they're not distracted by technology, and it allows that more personal communication, which technology kind of prohibits that you talked about. Sure. Um, and then lastly, is is to really be provocative. You know, like I, 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 I think about, um, you know, when you think provocative, it's not necessarily in a bad way, you know, trying to, to you know, have a, a bad response or a negative response, but um, to ask questions that kind of prompt a response. Um, that might seem maybe a bit outlandish or a little off the beaten track, but causes um, some reflection. So I think of one time I was um, driving with my best friend and we were coming back um, from camping together with some other guys and we were just driving and, you know, there's a lot of the conversation and I wanted to talk to him about, you know, how would we want to live our lives? So I asked him a question, you know, what do you want people to say about you when, when you die? You know, what, what do you want people to say at your eulogy? And he just looked at me like, what? And he was uh, taken aback by the question because it's very mm-hmm. provocative to say something like that. And we had this interesting conversation at the beginning. He's like, why did you ask me that question? I said, well, because 
when you have these conversations, when you ask that question, you realize, how do you want to live your life now? And so that question is provocative to promote that response. So that's another way to start those conversations. Well, Ben, you bring up an interesting topic because you said, you know, we were driving and talking. I'm amazed at the conversations that I can have with my children, even now that they're adults, but especially when they were in the home. The, the conversations that started in that exact type of setting in the car, it almost felt like not looking at them directly felt easier for them to talk about. You, like you said, doing something and then entering the, the conversation, looking at something beautiful, going on a yeah. hike and, and being almost kind of side focused. Is that really a mm-hmm. great way, even though you know you want to have an important conversation to be able to address it or enter into it, maybe kind of from the side door. Absolutely. And it, sometimes it's, it could be because you want to have that conversation. Sometimes an opportunity doesn't provide itself. But when you kind of take some of these strategies, at the bare minimum, you're continuing to build that relational authority. Well, all right, Ben, the, the discussion kind of is, is there. We're ready to talk with these Gen Zers. There are some things we want to keep in mind. And most importantly, the do's and especially the don'ts, because we want to make yeah. sure that we, we create an environment that not only makes them feel safe to talk about, maybe makes them want to come back to this well. So let's mm-hmm. start with the don'ts first, because you say there are some things we do need to avoid. Yeah. So when having a conversation with really anybody, but especially young people um, and on a touchy topic or on a religious topic where you're trying to have, you know, some sort of meaningful conversation, it's important to not focus on winning the argument, but losing the soul. And what I mean by that is, of course, we have to speak the truth, but we have to speak it with all charity. And, and sometimes our, our vigor or um, we, we speak out a little bit callously about a subject, we can win the argument. So if we're talking about maybe abortion, for an example, and we give really good arguments for showing why, obviously, a- abortion is a grave moral evil, but we don't realize that the person we're talking to actually had an abortion. And, and so we have to speak these things with all charity so that we ultimately win over the soul. Um, and, and it's not just about winning the argument, because we may leave saying, oh, I own that argument. But in effect, we've actually distanced the soul because, you know, um, from Christ and, and from the truth because of how we've said it. So we have to make sure that we say things in, in charity. The second thing, kind of along the same path, is um, sometimes being overly defensive and overly frustrated. And I myself struggle with this, right? Because I, I, I love the truth, I love the faith. And, you know, having a conversation with somebody and they're saying, you know, outlandish things and you get frustrated and you you start you know having a tone or speaking from that frustration of like, oh, why can't you just understand it? it's so obvious and you're saying such ridiculous things or whatever it is. But if you start having that come out, it quickly derails the conversation. And so trying to remain calm, re, you know, resisting that spiritual agitation that, you know, the, the devil wants us to go into um, and realizing, OK, like the truth is greater than me. Um, I need to reside with Christ. I reside with the truth. Even if at the end of the day, this person doesn't accept the truth, that's not something that I'm personally responsible for. Well, Ben, are there questions that kind of help us keep in that non-defensive framework that allows us to kind of enter into this? I mean, my thinking is, and it's kind of been the way that I've transitioned from parenting minors in my home to being a parent of adults who are making their own decisions. Uh, Questions, things like, Tell me how you think about this 
and then mm-hmm. coming back with, well, have you thought about this? I mean, is that, can, can you kind of, yeah. is there a framework that you can do to help me be, keep in that, that kind of guideline? Yeah. One of the questions is if you're finding yourself getting frustrated, obviously, you know, that's a perfect moment to say a quiet prayer to the Holy Spirit. But then, as you said, asking those those questions. So if they're saying something crazy, it's saying, do you hear yourself? Oh, that's crazy. Is well, why why do you think that? Why do you feel this way? What caused you? You know, get to the kind of the root of the problem. And sometimes, especially if you're having these conversations, you notice they're getting frustrated. That's a time to, you know, you know, kind of figure out the situation. Why are they feeling this way? Why are they getting agitated? Right. And then noticing, OK, can I ask these questions to kind of get to the root of the problem um, to figure out where they're coming from? from. And obviously on some sensitive issues, we should be careful about that because sometimes we're treading on very holy ground with these things. So now that our listeners know those things that they should be avoiding when entering into this conversation, there are some things to keep in mind with things that mm. you can actually go to in order to focus on to keep this opening. You've got some great ones to share with our listeners. Tell us more. And one of the main ones is you talked about not immediately starting with scripture, the authority of the church. Obviously, that's where the fullness of truth resides. But for a lot of these Gen Z, they're not going to accept that as a, as a source of authority. They may be interested in learning about it. But if you just say, well, this is what the church says, this is what scripture says, they're not going to see it as a source of authority. So um, people like John Paul II encourage us to use reason-based arguments. So in his um he, t- he talks about in Fides et Ratio that philosophical thought is often the only ground of understanding and dialogue for those who don't share the faith. He talks about the importance of philosophy in our time. And people get scared when you use the, the word philosophy because they, you know, think, you know, some crazy um, philosopher sitting in an armchair, uh, you kind of questioning everything. But really, philosophy is just trying to understand the divine using our reason to the best we can. And obviously, it's very limited. But there is a way where we can prove the, the tenets of the faith through reason um, and instead of referring to the authority of the church all the time. So, for example, is if you're having a conversation, you're trying to show why pornography is wrong, for example, um, instead of saying, well, the church teaches that and it's in the catechism, like you said, whacking over the head of the catechism, sure. you can say, well, look, when you do that you know, you're treating another person as an object and showing how that's a problem. And that's going to be much more convincing to Gen Z by using those rational arguments than just quoting a source of authority that many of them either doubt or or don't accept entirely. So that's that would be my first recommendation. And there's a lot of good resources. I named a couple um, on the article to, to look to, um, to kind of educate yourself on those rational reasons. Because um, that's, that's something I've had to do myself and still learning doing every day. So that's that's the, one of the main things. Ben, do you have a strategy that parents can use? We hear often now, especially I think it's pop culture, the idea of cancel culture, meaning that if they mm-hmm. don't agree with you, done, right? You, you mm-hmm. have to agree with me or we have nothing to say. We've heard it and they've probably learned it on college campuses where Catholic apologists or pro-life activists are invited onto campuses to just wild protest that tries to shut it down completely. So they may be coming at things from maybe that perspective, meaning that if you don't agree with me, well, we have nothing to discuss about anything at all. How do you, maybe if you're maybe coming at things from an opposite directions, how can you kind of show yourself to a Gen Z or that says it's, I'm okay. I'm not the enemy here. 
Yeah. Well, I think this goes back to the it's a great question. It, go, it goes back to the relational authority. They need to know you and they need to know that if you disagree with them, it, the reason for your disagreement is actually because you care for them. Right. So and you can point out, hey, you disagree with me. Right. Like but when you disagree with me, it's not because you hate me. But it's actually because you think this is true and you want to make sure that I know that that's true. But now if you look at from my perspective, I'm doing the same thing, right? Like I believe this is true. I, and I want to share that with you, not because I hate you or because I want you to be unhappy. It's actually because I want you to be happy because I want you to live a fulsome life. And so by establishing that relational authority before having these conversations, you can kind of refer back to that. And that's so why when you're starting those conversations, you've got to start with kind of, you know, with that that uh, character, that, that gravitas of who you are. Um, and then that helps kind of diffuse the, uh, the emotional bomb that sometimes these conversations can, can bring up. Oh, fantastic. Well, Ben, just a really another great article. I'm so we sorry to say to that this is our last, but thank you so much for all that you put into this report and all the time you give us. I've got to admit, Scott, I've had such a great time talking with Ben Erickson. In fact, if you go to Mater Dei Radio's webpage or the Hail Mary media app and just search Ben Erickson or Gen Z, you'll find all six interviews that I was able to do with Ben over the last several months that talked about this. But by far... This last one has been my favorite because it wasn't just focusing on the difficulties that this generation is experiencing, but really practical ways to understand, know them, and then to open up this dialogue. So that way, well, there's no space between you and either your children or those that you mentor that you really have understanding of who they are, where they're coming from and maybe a few tips on how to open up that conversation. Yeah, I think, you know, when I look back on our own lives, as we grew up in the 60s and the 70s and the early 80s, you know, there was, um, I think, a a sense of a lot of change going on in the world that left us wondering from Vietnam to the fall of the wall in Berlin, Um, some, some profound occurrences. And as kids, how did we view the world? We were just kind of carefree in those days. I think now today, though, the Gen Zers particularly have a, there's a reactive component. There's a, there's a sense of personal identity and space for themselves, but it's, it's in many ways consequently disjunct from the parents and the adults that have experienced in, in previous generations occurrences that, that were world changing. Well, here we just had a common ground experience in COVID. And I think what what our children can learn and what we can learn from that common experience of how do we go through this in community uh, has really changed for the better. You know, the positives of, of the discussions that we've had just during COVID, and I'm not saying that this has occurred for everybody, but for many people, they really benefited from sitting around the table again to have dinner. From sure. being in a house where they couldn't, you know, they, they had to communicate with one another. So we, we've learned that uh, that we do have a lot to relate on. And we've had some discussions that I think have been extremely valuable because of connecting to the table and connecting to prayer together. 
by virtue of a, an occurrence that impacts you know everybody Scott, we've talked about our, on our show before about our ability to communicate and talk theology. That seems to be a difficult subject for a lot of parents. Sometimes they don't feel uh, equipped well enough to know the doctrines of the church. I definitely sometimes feel that way, and I'm so relieved and glad to be able to rely on you to have those answers. You have a real knack for entering into these conversations because well, we've raised our kids in the faith, of course, as especially as they've gotten older. Well, they say, see things a little bit differently, and they also have responsibility for their own lives, and therefore their faith is their own responsibility. The thing that I loved in talking with Ben, he pointed out, and it immediately reminded me of you, is the way that sometimes these conversations start out, where it's just a few little light questions, and then you're able to kind of ask them back about something and then before you know it and maybe to uh, my discomfort you've stayed up very very late into the (laughs) night talking with the kids where I'm thinking they've got to go to school the next day you never miss on an opportunity though is what I'm saying to enter into that conversation because they may not even realize that they're asking for something deeper but boy just those being ready for those simple questions or those simple moments to talk don't let it pass by Right. No, and you're right. Invariably, it happens at 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night, and then we're done by about 11, 30, 12. Uh, but, you know, we enter into a space, as I, I look back and think about the conversations that I've had with our children, um, our young adult children, during that, particularly the time of COVID, that uh, we enter into a, a time that's God's time, and it just flew by. Right. Soon we realized, oh my gosh, it's been two and a half hours, but it's been so deep and it's been led by them, led by their honest questions and informed and supported by the church's teachings. And that's, I'm grateful to be able to share that with them. Oh, for sure. And you know, something else that I didn't talk with Ben about, but it was in a discussion that I had previously, you know, when you're talking with somebody and especially if it's our, our young adult children, Oh, or even maybe a young adult who is somebody that you're trying to mentor to bring along, you know, this idea of cancel culture. If we can't agree on one thing, we can't agree. Nothing else matters. And and we have to just wipe it out. We, we are nothing to each other if we don't agree 100% with everything. You know, if those conversations begin to get tense, something that I read in an article about our guardian angels is... Mm. You can ask your own guardian angel to be with their guardian angel to help this situation. They don't live in some other existence where they don't know what's happening in your life. They know what's happening in your life. And when you enter into a difficult conversation, they are there with you in the same way that their guardian angel is with them. I think that is fabulous to think about and just very quickly say guardian angel Please be with us. Please talk to their guardian angels so that this doesn't get into a situation that I didn't mean for it to be, that we can still have open communication. Right. I think that takes them, takes that in that moment, the ability to see the other person for the spiritually and physically created presence of Christ on earth. I mean, that's where it created his image and likeness. And there is the image and likeness. Christ leaned on the angels. How often do we do that? And to do that, the way you described it, is just phenomenal because they're going to communicate on a perfect level as 
those who are before God, who see God. We're not doing that because we're not there yet. So how much we depend on them is so, so critical. And how much more will that conversation be if you just keep that prayer on your mind as you enter into it? As we close out the show, Scott, will you end us in prayer? Lord, we're grateful for a new year. Help us to enter this year with excitement and hope in our heart that you are with us and that the people that we'll meet this year, you have brought into our lives. And the struggles that we might have, help us to be patient, help us to be mindful of our guardian angels, and help us to enter into conversation with love for the other. We ask all this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless and Happy New Year. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.